This podcast exists for entertainment purposes only. Before making any investment decisions, please contact your financial advisor. Welcome back to the Man vs. Market podcast. This is a show where we try to break down the recent moves in the stock market, make guesses on what we might see next, and try to learn some things along the way. But again, thank you guys so much for the continued support. Every download, every review, every share helps me grow Man vs. Market so much. So thank you for that. And please continue to support the show by leaving a review and sharing it with your friends. Before we go any further, I I have to get this out of the way. Please, if you've listened to anything I've said so far, please listen to this. Right now, we are seeing volatility in the market that many of you who are maybe new traders have not ever seen in your trading experience. We're seeing swings in either direction on day-to-day basis that might blow up a portfolio if you're not careful. So, please... Whatever you were doing before, make your position sizes smaller than they were. All right, if you were trading $100 per position, maybe decrease that to 75. The increased volatility provides so many more opportunities to profit. There is no need to have your positions as large as you did during the bull market that we've seen over the last two years or so. Increased volatility makes things tricky because a stop loss that you have set might get triggered faster. Or maybe you get into profits sooner than you would have thought, and it is kind of just a mental game and a mental barrier to jump over. So please, again, keep position sizes small, and keep your stop losses and profit targets very tight. Before we get into the meat and bones of the actual podcast, really quickly, I wanted to go over how our positions that I've talked about in past episodes have done relative to the broader market. Um, Just over the last couple of weeks, now... Starting with our initial sector positions, since May 5th when I actually uploaded this episode, the SPY is actually up 0.3% compared to a 10% move in XLE due to the just crazy increases in oil prices. XLB is up 1.95%, while XLP is still negative minus 2%, and XLV is plus 3%. So all four of these on average are up 3.25%. So about 3% better than the broader market. So the market is catching up a little bit, but we're still winning by about 3%. So super good so far. Moving over to our metals positions, we see a little bit of a different story. We are still holding a little bit of a lead over the broader market, but it's definitely narrowed down quite a bit. Since the May 13th close, when I did my final analysis on these metals before releasing the podcast, the S&P is up 3.3%, compared to just 2.3% in gold and 4.8% in silver. However, our leverage positions of UGL and AGQ are up 5.3% and 10%, bringing our total position up to 4.93% gains. Compare it again to the market's 3.3%. So that's about a 1.6% advantage over the market. And again, the lead has narrowed quite a bit, but we still hold that lead. And I think we're going to continue to see metals outperform and the market should have some pullbacks in the coming weeks and months. Last, going to the dollar that we talked about last week, the ticker UUP, which again represents the bullish dollar ETF, is down 1.2%. That's actually a pretty big deal because a 1.2% decline for the dollar is not something that happens super, super often compared to the SPY's 6.6% move in the same time frame. So the market's outperformed the dollar by almost 8%. So not the best start in the world. However, it's only been one week and there's a lot more things to come 
that should bring the dollar up and push the markets down over the next couple of weeks to a couple of months. All right, let's move right into the markets. So the Dow Jones had its first green week in nine weeks, and the S&P 500 had its first green week in eight weeks. And they both did so in quite a dramatic fashion. The S&P was up 6.6-ish percent this last week. That's the best week we've seen in the stock market since November of 2020. And the Dow ends its longest losing streak since 1932, while the S&P 500 ends its longest streak since 2002. Even crazier, if we want to take a look at how much we are up since those last Friday lows, it looks like we are up about 9%. So we've seen quite the bounce this last week, and there's a couple reasons for why we might have seen that, at least on the technical side. Because, as I've mentioned in past lectures and past episodes, the greenest days in market history usually come during downtrends and bear markets. Now, due to the weekly nature of this podcast, I'm only able to give weekly updates, and things looked like they were going to start changing maybe just a little bit early on Wednesday. So, for most of the last week, or last couple weeks, we've seen the price action and the oscillators acting pretty much in parity, meaning we weren't seeing any divergences, everything looked like very standard price action, nothing out of the ordinary. So Monday and Tuesday were pretty normal days compared to what we've seen the last couple of weeks. We saw a little bit of a gap up on Monday with some chop intraday followed by a close higher right near that 23.6 Fibonacci level at about 398.10. Tuesday was pretty similar except we gapped down, saw some chop. It wasn't until Wednesday that we had this strong push to the upside, retested that same Fibonacci level at, again, 398.10, and we actually broke the downtrend that was established all the way back on March 30th. At that break and at that retest of the Fibonacci level, this was the point in which we needed to watch very closely for a breakout. The 23.6 to 38.2 Fibonacci level, which is translated into price about the 398.10 to 411.80 range, this price level is where most of the trend changes would happen. So we saw, obviously, a big jump in price on Thursday. That brought us well past that first Fibonacci level. And on Friday, we got another gap up, followed by essentially continuous buying all throughout the entire day. We actually closed above that 38.2 level near, again, 411.80. This is a short-term bullish signal. This means that the bulls have, in the short term, retaken the sentiment. Again, only in the short term. The midterm still belongs to the bears, and they will get the benefit of the doubt until the bulls can start to make a stronger push. But one lesson I want to share with what we saw this week is that you might need to actually look in multiple places in order to find different signals. What I mean by that is, if we take a look again at the price action in the oscillator, we see no divergences, we see no abnormal price action, nothing really spelling that we could see this crazy upside move. However, if we go take a look at the NASDAQ, the QQQ ETF, we can see that tech was actually telling us a completely different story. So if we take the lows from May 12th and May 20th, we can see that the NASDAQ was forming a strong bullish divergence well after the SPY was. 
So even though the market or the broader S&P 500 was saying nothing abnormal is shaping up, the NASDAQ or tech was saying, hey, there's actually a little discrepancy here and we could definitely see some buying in the short term, which we ultimately did. And as we know, tech definitely can make or break the market. And we ultimately saw tech be the leading catalyst for this big rally we saw last week. So again, the lesson here is if there's no signals that we see on maybe the ETF you're trading, go look in other places, see if there's something else that is pointing to a directional move that would ultimately move the broader market in that same direction. So this intraweek price action was almost acting like a spring. We were seeing these crazy dramatic moves to the downside and, and a little bit to the upside, uh, but mostly to the downside over the last couple of weeks. And then on Monday, Tuesday, and sort of Wednesday, we saw this almost compression of price action where instead of getting these moves in one direction, we were seeing this massive chop up and down. So it was almost forming this spring as market participants were waiting for a move to see which way the market was going to go. And as we were waiting for this move, there was continuous accumulation, distribution, waiting for some signal as to what direction we might go. When we see something like this after a large move, again, I call this a spring pattern because it acts like a spring. When we see a large formation followed by a lot of chop with lower volume, we usually will see a big move in one direction on high volume once the market finally makes that key decision. Now that we've seen that put call ratio get brought down by the bulls, we could see them attempt another push to the upside before we would likely see further selling. However, I will also add that if we can see the bulls make a push past 421.50ish, around that 50% Fibonacci level, the bears will probably be in trouble in the short term and the bulls will have retaken that momentum. And last but not least, for those of you that are longer term portfolio guys, we need to remember that regardless of our short to midterm thesis on the market, we are seeing stocks at much more attractive valuations here. So if you are looking for a time to start accumulating, you should be doing that now. Could we see more downside? Yes. Do I think we'll see more downside? Yes. However, if we don't see more downside, we will look back at this time in a couple of years and be kicking ourselves for not accumulating and buying a lot more when we did on this last dip. So if you are a long-term holder, or even if you are a midterm investor, this is the time to start accumulating positions. Now, moving over into some of the economic news and data that has come out recently that might affect how the markets might move in the coming weeks. First, the GDP numbers, the annual GDP numbers came out as worse than expected. We saw a decline at an annual rate of 1.5% rather than the 1.4% that was expected. This might not seem like that big of a deal, it's 0.1%, but we have to remember that this is billions of dollars of GDP that's essentially wiped off the table. And this was mostly due to weak private inventories and weak household investment. So there are less people making investments and inventories in most businesses are lighter than a strong economy would like. The Fed also revealed on Wednesday that they would be open to 50 basis point hikes the next two meetings. This would deliberately slow the economy in order to slow inflation. So it's essentially robbing Peter to pay Paul. Throughout this last tightening cycle, the Fed has been very open and transparent. So expect this to actually take place. When they say they're going to do something, they've been very good at recently 
actually doing it. This is very different from the Fed that we saw over the last couple of years, where they would continually say they're going to slowly increase rates and then not do so. These two 50 basis point hikes have already been priced into the market, and we should expect to see moves that are less than what we might actually expect. The Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, or the PCE for short, rose at an annual rate of 6.3%. Now, this is down from the 6.6% in March, and if we exclude the volatile food and gas prices, April's rate was just 4.9%. Now, this is actually the Fed's favorite gauge of inflation because it is very similar to CPI, but it has a broader range of goods and services and encompasses more buyers, meaning it is a much more inclusive index. This signal means we may have topped out as far as inflation goes, and we should hopefully see the inflation start decelerating in the coming months. We also get the information on April's savings rate. Now, this savings rate is down to just 4.4%. This is the lowest level since the peak of the 2008 financial crisis. For comparison, at the height of the pandemic, we were seeing savings rates near almost 34%. And as recently as last March, we saw savings rates at 26%. This number is showing that a lot of the savings that was accumulated over the pandemic is slowly being depleted as prices continue to rise. The final earnings scorecard is out, and we saw that there was just a 9% increase in average earnings year over year. This is the slowest growth since quarter four of 2020, or essentially the numbers we saw for the peak of the pandemic. So we are not necessarily in the best economic shape. And I think that's pretty self-explanatory, but I continue to think that economists and Washington are purposefully trying to push aside recession fears, and they're not pricing in how likely this recession is to actually occur. Last, we continue to see new record prices at the gas pump, and oil prices continue to skyrocket. We are now at $115 per barrel, and like I talked about in that past episode, we broke out of that bullish pennant, and we are continuing and are likely to continue to see more upside for oil prices. While that's not necessarily good for those who are paying at the pump, it's good to be an investor in oil at this current moment. I think it's very likely that we will at some point regain that $130 per barrel level that we set well early into the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So if you are still not in the oil market, I would highly recommend doing so. Today, we're going to quickly look at the VIX or the volatility index. The VIX tracks the volatility or the estimated predicted volatility of the market over the next 30 days. Typically, as the VIX index increases, it means that the swings and the moves that we are going to see in the market are going to be larger than normal. While when the VIX is at a lower value, it means that we are probably going to see a stress-free, less wild market. What's weird is despite all of the insane volatility we've seen over the past couple of weeks, the VIX is at just 2572. This is actually a very, very low level for what we've seen historically with moves like this. Typically in sell-offs, the market usually finds its bottom when the VIX is near about 40, meaning that if history has anything to say about this move and the current valuation of the VIX, we are in for a lot more downside for the broader market. Going even further, it means that we are in for a much larger rally in the VIX itself. So my recommendation for today is this. 
take a look at the VXX VIX ETF. Because you can't really trade the VIX the exact way you'd want to, I use the ETF VXX to track it very similarly. This ETF is at just 2246 currently and has potential for a dramatic move to the upside. On this last rally in the stock market, as we've seen the VIX continue to sell off, I am entering in long VIX stock. I believe that VIX has the potential to go to 35 plus by the end of the year, meaning that we have probably more than 60% upside. My prediction for the day is that the VXX ETF will double the performance of the market over the rest of the year. Analyzing this a bit further, it shows that not only do I think the VIX will rally in the coming months, it also shows that we probably haven't even gotten to the stock market bottom, nor have we probably even gotten close. So unfortunately, it looks like there's probably a lot more downside for stocks in the broader market. So while my long-term thesis, meaning any time frame longer than one year, is still bullish, I really don't think we're going to see a very sunny rest of 2022 in the stock market. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Man vs. Market. As I continue to make episodes, I'm realizing more and more that this series is geared more towards advanced traders. I will continue to provide advanced content, but will make more effort to also keep content here for newer traders. Again, the whole point of this series is to follow my journey as I try to build an active portfolio that beats the market, while providing unique ideas to you as the listener. Hence the title, Man vs. Market. But I also want this to be your weekly source of market-related news and a place where you can get an extra perspective on the technicals and fundamentals of the market. If there's anything you think I could do better or something you want to hear more or less of, please let me know. Last, I'm doing a small giveaway on my Instagram. If you want to take part, check me out at ChartyTrades. That's at C-H-A-R-T-Y-T-R-A-D-E-S. It's super easy and would take less than two minutes to enter. Thanks again for listening. I'll talk to you guys next week.